All right, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. It's always, always good. Parties are always good. Delicious food, company. Ah, okay. Moving along in the uh, in week three of Tefillah, so we'll begin with the idea that we've already touched on, and we're going to go a little deeper into, which is the hachana, the preparation, the importance of preparation when it comes to Tefillah, and then Bezshem towards the second, hand, uh, you know, the last few minutes, we'll continue going through. The actual sitter. So it says of Shamshim Pinkus in his topic of Hachana, the importance of preparation as follows. This will knock your socks off. Listen to this. Hold on tight. Yisoyed HaKavana, the foundation of Kavana. And again, until we start learning together, how do we interpret Kavana? Knowing what you're saying. Right? The foundation of Kavana, Vizakus Halev, and the purity, Zoch. Say the word Zchus is a merit. You get merits when you're pure. Shemen Zayis Zoch is pure olive oil. That's what they had in the Beis Hamikdash. So the word Zchus is means purity. So the foundation of Kavanah, the purity of heart in Tfila is Tuluyim Bahachana Shalafanel. It's all dependent not as much as understanding the words. This is wild. It's more Bahachana Shalafanel. It's the setting and the preparation you put in beforehand. Listen, he says the Rambam. I'm not doing this. It's not for me. This is Maimonides. It says the Rambam. We're going to quote the Rambam verbatim. Ketzad hi ha What is kavana? There he goes. Sheyefana eslibo. It's to empty the heart. Mikol hamachshavos. From all foreign thoughts that have nothing to do with my prayer. Kavana is the emptying of the heart from anything else. That's not connected to me now talking to God. And Kavana is visualizing myself as if I'm standing in front of the Divine Presence. And therefore, says the Rambam, here's what, this is Kavana. You got to sit a little bit before you start praying. To have the kavana of the heart. See, ready? The intent is the knowledge that I'm having a conversation with Hashem. Now that's huge. The knowledge that I'm here to talk to Hashem, interestingly, may not know everything I'm about to say in the conversation, but you, Hashem, want this to be brought into the conversation, so I'll bring it in too. The words of the sitter, even though, of course, I'm going to work on it like in settings like this that we are. But the kavana is to spend time beforehand. This is what the Shulchan Aruch writes in Simon Tzadi Gimel in 93 in the Code of Jewish Law. We got to spend a little bit of time before praying in order to have kavana. Which means, according to the Rambam, if I walk in and understand every word, I run in and I run out, and I just knew what I was saying, and that's it, you didn't have kavana. You didn't have kavana. You knew what you said. You knew the words you said, but you didn't have kavana. And he says, this idea of spending a little bit of time before prayer, this is not like, oh yeah, we're going to, you know, we need, a, you know, Osiris, we need an awakening, and also you shouldn't be learning. The idea is not to show up and start learning Chumash and, you know, uh, 
and it's not a mili dechasidus, it's not like a pious thing. Allah halacha, the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch write, this is how you daven. Kavana by davening is showing up a little early and putting yourself into the setting, like we expressed last week, the importance of the mind, the power of the mind, and using the imagination, so to speak, to realize I am now with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. This is this is a reality that, uh, and and even though we're always striving to be with Hakadosh Baruch Hu, this is a expected meeting and a conversation that I have with Him whenever I daven. What happens is people we're rushed, so we run in, we grab our towels in the morning. Yeah, you rush it, you grab this, grab this. You know, you, you, there's an expression, you chapa mincha, you chapa marif, you chapa mincha, grab a mincha. You, just, you go in, yeah, you ran in, ran out. Hariza neged halacha, he says that you didn't have kavana according to the way the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch write it. You could, you could be raised on a street called Yeshiva Lane and you could know Hebrew and you can know everything you're saying. It doesn't matter. You did not have kavana. You didn't have kavana. You know already that you're not going to be successful by running it and chopping the shmones, right? This is what he says. Why? 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 Why is this kavana? Why is this kavana? He says you have to understand something. He says you know why? Because it's the it's the preparation and the setting. What he's advising us is, you come late to shul, still spend a couple minutes, however long it is. He doesn't give a time. In earlier in an earlier paragraph, he writes, you know, the Gemara tells us that the Hasidim Harishainim, they're the really pious people, they would spend an hour prior to davening. They, before they started praying, they sat for an hour. That's what they did. They, they sat for an hour. And they, they just understood the setting that they were, that they were getting into. But he says, you know, obviously we don't do this. So his expression earlier is, Everybody according to their capabilities. Some people, he give more than a minute and a half, and they're jumping out of the, uh, he's supposed to hold cup. Some people, they need 20 minutes. People need five minutes. People need, however long it is. He says, the Gemara lets us know that people who knew how to daven, the Gemara doesn't tell us their beauty of davening while they prayed. It tells us their greatness of davening, of how they approached prayer. He says, You know why? Because he says, why is this so important? Why is this kavana really? He says, because when you prepare prior to actually praying, you're bringing God closer to you. The Imkain, and if so, Misha Mespal Blechan, let's say I just show up and I hop a minion. So now I'm, I'm having a real conversation. Tefillah is a conversation. I'm having a talk. I'm having a talk with God. And I'm like running out of work, or I'm running to work, and I'm running to whatever. I've got, I've got a lunch meeting. I got, and it's like, I didn't invite anybody to come talk to me. There's a difference whether you catch somebody somewhere. Or bring them close and say, hey, let's spend some time. You want to catch somebody after a shear, after, uh, you know, in schnooks, want to catch them in the supermarket aisle. It's going to be a conversation, 
but it's not going to be an intimate conversation. It's not going to have, you, you're not, you, you can't have a real DMC in the kosher aisle, right? The real deep, meaningful conversation that people like to have. Yeah, a DMC, that's it. Right? But if you have, if you have a, if you, you have to spend time, you need, you need to sit down. You can't be doing, you can't be on your phone and uh, trying to answer a phone call when you're having a me- meaningful conversation because the person on the other end understands you're not really here to be in the conversation. So says Reb Shamshim Pinkas, this is what the Rambam and the Shochararach are paskening is the halacha. We have a choice. If we run into Kashmir, did we pray? Yeah. We did what we had to do, but that's kind of catching somebody, so to speak, God in the su- in the in the supermarket aisle, calling out, being okay, yeah, things are great, yeah, maybe I could use a few more bucks, you know, a little bit of help for my uh, great aunt, and you know, nachas uh, from the kids, <laughs> yeah, boom, I'm out of here. It's okay, fine. That's that's kavana. You knew exactly what you said. You knew exactly what you said. It's not kavana. Kavana is. When there's two sides, tefillah says of Shem Shempikas is a is a relationship. This is why it's so difficult to, even if you know all the words, you know what you're saying, but that's why you, you can't really daven unless you spend a little bit of time creating the setting. Because what happens is when you're willing to create the setting, when you're talking to your friend closely. It's much easier to spend time. It's much easier to spend time. Sometimes your conversation with a close friend will take shorter. Sometimes the conversation with a good friend will take a little longer. That's fine. Again, Shmona is not about how long it takes. As we discussed last week, how long should Shmona Esri take? Until you're done. That's fine. Sometimes. But when I'm talking to a close friend and they know that we have the time for each other, I'm showing there's nothing interfering so kavona is to empty out the mind. Kavona is emptying the mind of something else and to speak closely with HaKadosh Baruch. Now, when I was learning this, what crossed my mind is, why? If Hashem is always with me, if Hashem is always with me, and I know I can't do anything, we can't lift a finger, we can't talk, we can't think without the constant blessings of, of HaKadosh Baruch so why does it need to be that when it comes to tefillah, Hashem makes it that like, if you want your tefillah to be effective, like you got to invite me. It's like you need, you need to invite the Rabbi Nishal. Yeah, I need to invite him. I should. Maybe we actually should if God's with me, you know, you know so yeah, just hop a minion. Hop a minion. Why, why does it need to be that the setting, the hachana, is so important? So he says, you know why? He says, because there's something very unique to tefillah, and this is what we touched upon. He says, here's the foundation. Here's the foundation of this. He says, you have to realize, it's a conversation. It's a conversation. And the rule is, whenever you're conversing, you cannot have a one-sided conversation. It's a very deep idea that he wants to share here. Very deep. He says, you want to run into Shul, tell them, you want to run into Shul and catch a Shemona Esrei? You want to do it? Okay, God heard you. God heard you. He's there. He's there. But what I just did was, I had a completely one-sided conversation. I never, you ever in a conversation with somebody, you, don't have, you don't, never have the opportunity to speak. 
Right? I was waiting for your wife to say that Harris. Yeah. Right? It's like it's just one sided. It's it's one sided, yeah. It's a monologue versus a dialogue. Says if Shamshim Pikis, if if tefillah is a conversation and there and there really is, you're not gonna hear God talking back to you. Sometimes you will, you'll get some clarity as we dive in, which happens to be an incredible phenomenon. It's true. You get a lot of clarity in things when you have. But what, what makes, since, since it's a dialogue, tefillah by definition is this two-way street. You need both sides to want to be there and to have an opening for each other. So it's not just me showing up to God. And this is where people grow stale in their prayer. Same words over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I'm talking to a wall. Talk to every feel of it. And it's like, yeah, because you show up, you have a monologue every time. Take your time, relax, step back. Step back, come into show, realize you're sitting. This is not you. This is, it takes two to tango. We're tangoing now. Let the Rabbanishalim come to you. Create the kavana, create the time and the setting that Hashem, I'm here with you. I'm, Yes, you know, it's, uh, you, you need two to create the, the, the kesher, to create a relationship. A one-sided relationship is not a relationship. V'chim b'tfila. And this is so too by tefillah. Ma yoyolanu imnava yibirats in the dabra. I'm showing up, God, I got to talk to you. Have you ever have a parent come? Uh, I, I knew when I was in trouble, my parents said my whole name. For some reason, you know, <laughs> right? That's, uh, you know, Menachem Mendel Temler. It's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. All right, what's up? Right? Like we walk in and we're like, all right, God, like, here, listen here. Listen. My yoy lalom navi baratsam ladabasha. Me yoy mikaz bracha nimsa karev lano. Who says that for the conversation, God is showing up like in the conversation? We know he's with us. But how do you know he's showing up to tefillah with us? The way to invite Hashem to tefillah is to, is to have a time. We're meeting now, God. We're meeting Hashem. I'm meeting you now. We're both focused. There, there's no distractions here. There, there, there are shuls and halavai. You know, one day we're not ready for this. There are shuls. They forbid cell phones inside the sanctuary. It's forbidden. Why? So people say, "Oh, it disturbs the davening." It's not disturbs the davening. It's this idea. It's this idea. Let me do with that. It's like there's the, the last thing that I need is my phone vibrating. When I'm when I'm in a setting where I'm talking to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and it's nobody else's fault, but what happens is now since Kavana is emptying the mind of everything else, I'm just here with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Nobody who wants their cell phone in the shul, who wants it? It's, a, it's just that that's something that is something that stays outside. The Nimtza. So he says, so you got to invite Hakadosh Baruch Hu. You got to invite Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That's the setting. And once we invite HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kaviyachol, so to speak, and we say, Hashem, I want to talk to you, God says, okay, I want to talk to you too. I want to talk to you too. Now it's a, a dialogue. So to speak, God's like, okay, I want to talk to you too. He says, you know why we want to make the setting? So that God on his end says, I also want to come to the meeting. It's not just that I daven, so I want to come to the meeting with Hashem. The setting is, is that 
I want HaKadosh Baruch Hu not to be like, tell them to come here, I got to talk to you. Fine, I'll come. You know, <laughs> uh, fine, I'll show up. God's got to show up. But if you want to have a healthy comment, you want both, si- both sides, so to speak. You know, there's no two sides, as we're learning in Bovav, everything's together. But what, when you're having a tefillah, and you're asking for something, and you're praising something, and we're realizing the difference, the, the word that we'll see later says, batalus, the, the, you know, how, how, how bottle we are to the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that takes kavana, that takes setting. The nimtza, and it comes out, she'etzem ha-machshava ala Kaddish Baruch Hu, the, the integral part of the thoughts about Hashem, he hakiruv v'advekus v'amtsoos atzma yisbarach b'poyel v'imkein. Poshet hu sh'toli zeh b'shnei ha-sladom inatoli banu levad. He says, if tefillah is a dialogue and tefillah is a setting, then it's simple, you need two sides, it can't be one-sided, you might want to talk to Hashem from today till tomorrow. If God says, I don't feel invited to this, because you're distracted, and he's not like bought into the conversation, now I'm having kavana on what? I'm having kavana on what? This is why Rav Shamshin is saying the backdrop of all kavana is is the setting and the emptying of the mind of according to the Rambam. Because even if, again, even if I show up and I know exactly what I'm saying, it's, where's Hashem in it? Have, have I brought Hashem into me? Have I brought Hashem into the tefillah, into the dialogue, into the conversation? <speaking in Hebrew> what is kavana? To be with Hashem in conversation. That is the translation of kavana. So there we go. Translation of Kavana is I'm in a conversation with Hashem. I get, you know, you could be in a deep conversation with somebody and you don't know what you're talking about either. That's fine. Right? <laughs> Sometimes you don't know. Right? You know the, but I'm, I'm in a conversation with you. I'm, we're here. We're here, so to speak. Hill Lazakin says, If I'm here, it's all here. What do you mean it's all here? There's different takes on it. One of the takes is, if I'm here, I'm completely here. That's what Hill says. Whenever you see me, I'm there. If I'm in this house, I'm here. You see me talking to someone, I'm there. I'm not like flying all over the place. It's so powerful. He says a person can work on just understanding the davening, which we're going to do and we have to do. But we think kavon is just, I got to understand. That's, that's, that's the second part. That's the second part. It's good to know. But kavana by definition is so, is so beautiful. Kavana by definition is the the connection that I'm in a uh, uh, Hashem wants to be in the conversation with me I'm inviting Hashem to the table to be in a focused conversation last paragraph for right now Nimtza it comes out if a person wants to have Kavana when he davens it's not enough it's not enough to just know, know what you're saying Shakolze enoi mail doesn't work im ein hatzad hasheni if the other side if the second side muchin l'shtatim b'zichazu is not in the conversation the avayda laatzma lahafik rotsayin hashem and he says that's the that there's it's an avayda in and of itself to to honestly and earnestly bring the rebbeinu shalom into a conversation where I say God I want to partner with you in this tefillah because tefillah is dveikus tefillah is connection 
You can't connect to something that doesn't feel connected and is not invited to be connected. So since tefillah is devekus, is connection, that's, that's what I'm doing here. I'm coming to Davin to be connected. He says, this, and this is why we started out. If a person's awake and they just clear their hearts, clear their minds, and you just spend a few minutes prior to davening, creating the setting, creating the, the proper script of, what, of what's happening here, God will feel invited, and of course He's going to help. Of course your tefillahs are going to be answered. Of course your tefillahs. You're in a conversation with somebody who feels welcome, is welcome, knows why I'm there, knows everything, because well, this is okay. You want me here? I'm here. I'll take care of now Rafa'inu. I'll take care of Barichalenu. I'll take care of you know. It's beautiful. A person, a balatire, a person comes to purify themselves. Hakadosh Baruch Hu helps them out. Now he ends off this paragraph with a very important point. What is davening that we're talking about? So he says something very chashuv. It's a whole as we say in America, can of worms, a beautiful one. Um, it's worthwhile mentioning, he says, and this is, we say, I believe we touched on this the first week, he says you should know, tefillah is Shmona Esrei. Tefillah is Shmona Esrei. The way we can fulfill the setting is by showing up, saying the blessings, Shachris, you say, Psuke de Zimra, the blessings of Shema, by Mincha, we say Ashrei. That's all created by Marev, it's the blessings. It's all creating a setting for the Shmon Esrei. So part of creating a setting doesn't, he says, really in the Siddur is not just spending a few minutes to create us our, our own setting in our imagination. The words that we pray in davening prior to Shmon Esrei also are there to help us spend time with Hashem to get ready for our ultimate meeting of Shemona Esrei. So we've been talking about, right, personally creating the setting. He says, you should know, this is why in the Siddur and the Chachamim instituted all these things prior, because Shemona Esrei is that meeting. Tzvilah is that meeting. He says, but I want you to know, that's all as far as why the Siddur structured halachically. But certainly, every blessing, that's also a prayer. So what's happening is, we have prayers that are there to create a setting for the later prayers. But the earlier prayers are also prayers that need kavana and be ready for it. And therefore he says, You have to prepare for the preparation. You have to be prepared. You have to come in and create the setting because... Our tefillos prior to Shmona Esrei are twofold. They themselves are prayers, and they're also there to help create the setting for the Shmona Esrei. He says, so all you need to do is try to make it a habit. Come a little bit, and a little bit of time to allow yourself to think with clarity of mind, and purity of heart, before you start your davening, with a heart that's open to holiness. If you do this, and we train ourselves to do this when it comes to shul or davening in our homes, where we make it a habit, just a few minutes before I daven, 
I think about these concepts. I think about these idea of what davening is. Vadai certainly, sheyimtza that person will find kol tfilosov sadurus lefanav kelchosan bekavana b'taras machshav kedibay. Tfilo will start to fall into place. Tfilo will start to fall into place. We train ourselves how to not, not how we train ourselves to do this again. Even without fully grasping and understanding every last word, just the, the whole idea of tefillah and the conversation and everything about it will, uh, will uh, start to fall into place. So that's his uh, focus where he's on the, on the concept of achana, the importance of preparation. And, and we, we, tonight we learned the, the definition of what kavana is. Kavana is, yes, we want to know what we're saying, but kavana is the, the setting and the preparation and inviting HaKadosh Baruch Hu to have, uh, to have a conversation with us. Okay. Let us get into, uh, back into the Siddur. Last week we discussed Baruch, we discussed Atah, and we went through the bracha of Asher Yatsar. Today I want to continue along in the Siddur and talk a little bit about Birchas HaTorah, the, the Torah blessings, and then also we'll, we'll touch on a few of the morning blessings. I just want to ask you something. Yeah. Okay. So, Birchas HaTorah, in the Seder. The first blessing of Birchas HaTorah is, Baruch HaTah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Olam, Asher Kedushanu B'Mitzvahis HaVitzivanu La'asok. La'asok means to be involved. B'Divrei Sorah, with the words of Torah. It doesn't mean to study Torah. Asik means it's my business. La'asok means my business is the words of Torah. May not study it the whole day. But that's what I'm that's that's what I, that's my go-to. My go-to is when I go to work, it's the words of Torah that guide me at my work. When I have conversations, it's the words of Torah that guide us at our conversations. Interestingly, there's a machlokas, there's a dispute whether the blessing ends like that. Or whether it actually continues, there's a whole long paragraph, not not so long, a few sentences, that of Vaharevna, Hashem Alakenu, God may you uh, make the words of Torah sweet, Befinu and Armaus, Befiasamcha, the mouths of all of Klaw Yisrael, and may the Torah be sweet so that we study it for its own sake without any uh, without any uh, personal interest. And this takes work on on our part to make sure that it's sweet, but it's a it's a blessing that we're asking Hashem, the, the source of all bracha, God, you're the source of all bracha, that uh, we have the merit to be involved in Torah Lishma. Interestingly, the Gemara tells us that the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because, this is a Gemara in uh, Nidarim, we're actually, today is, we're giving the shir on a Monday, it's Monday, yeah. <laughs> that today's daf, uh, we did today, we're a little bit, we're one page ahead in daf Yami. 77. So it's a four blot. Four blot. Coming up then the leak of Hashem. The Gemara tells us that one of the reasons why the Beis Mikdash was destroyed is Shaloberhu Batora Tchila. They didn't make the blessings of Torah prior in the beginning. And that's a whole, uh, there's a whole thing on that. But ultimately it's because Yisrael, there was a lot of Torah being learned. But what does it mean they didn't make the blessings? They didn't appreciate the value of Torah in their daily lives. They didn't appreciate the value of Torah in their daily lives. And within that, we say, um, we, uh, the, the next blessing we make is Asher Bachar Banu. Thank you, Hashem, for making us the chosen people. And this happens to be, the, according to most postkim, the main part 
of the of the Birchas Torah. Okay. So, um, the, I just want to focus a little bit on the sweetness of Torah. You hear this often. You hear this, you know, sweetness of Torah often. And uh, I can just tell you that uh, Torah doesn't always taste sweet. To some people, certainly, you know, as people are going through life and they go through different stages, I could say personally in, 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 in my younger years, I hated learning with a passion. I hated it, despised it. It made me very, very nervous. Um, and uh, I don't know how much I hated anything. That's the truth. Uh, but in, in at least the way that I used that word, hate, it means I disliked it, then hate it. I really disliked it um, because is uh, you know it, it got in the way of my happiness. That's how I viewed Torah. I wanted to play ball, and I wanted to spend time with my friends and do my thing. And now this Torah thing is is uh, getting in the way of of my happiness, and it's really not sweet. It's really not sweet, um, and. The concept of having to develop a taste doesn't uh, tickle me either, because to quote um, to quote uh, Jackie Mason, he says, uh, "I'm not a bucky, I'm not an expert in Jackie Mason, but I, I've heard some of his stuff." As I keep saying this a lot recently. <laughs> um, he says all these fancy schmancy people they have all these foods that taste disgusting. He says, "You ever taste brie?" Disgusting, yeah. <laughs> but it costs like a million dollars a pound, you know. He says, and you tell people the breeze disgusting, so you have to develop a taste. <laughs> you know what I say? You never develop the taste for potato chips. You know why? It's good. <laughs> okay. So things that are good, you don't have to develop a taste for. So I don't like saying you have to develop a taste for Torah because, it, listen, you know, we know that the Torah really is sweet. But what happens is like this. It happens like this. Baron Leib Steinman explains to us, he explains that you could put the sweetest thing on your tongue. If there's things standing in the way of the sweetness, it's not going to taste sweet. It's not going to taste sweet. If you have something sour on your tongue, if you have mud on your tongue, you could pour a whole bag of sugar. It's going to taste like mud. It'll still taste like mud. So in order to really give Tyra a chance and to allow the sweetness there to give it a chance, you have to find your own sweetness and wipe away a little bit of the mud Whatever that is in our lives, sometimes there is mud, and then we, we come to blame it on the Torah, so to speak. Like, you know, that, that, that approach, that, as we quote all the time, the Torah is meant to make our, my life pleasant. It's not meant to make my life difficult. The Torah is here to, when a person lives with a proper path and proper avodah, so it makes it so much easier to live. There's so much less confusion. It makes it so much sweeter. And we're davening to Hashem to have the siyata deshmaya, to have the divine presence that, that by demonstrating how important the Torah is to us, to also give us a siyata deshmaya to make it sweet inside, uh, make it sweet inside of our mouths, meaning allow other things to fall to the wayside so that we can truly appreciate the, the beauty of the Torah that he gave us. Now, part of this is, I'll share one more detail on this bracha, very important when it comes to Limur HaTorah. Part of this is that Chazal teach us, this Gemara Navodazara on Daf Yud. Tess Amar Aleph nineteen eighty. One of those says a very very important Gemara. It says Ein Adam Lomid Torah Ella Mimakom Shalibo Chafetz. It's important to learn Torah from parts that you enjoy. And and this has to do with the, with the beauty of Kali Yisrael because you can have some people they love learning Chumash. Some people are into Chassidus. People are into 
straight up Musr, there's people into whatever it is, right? So you don't know how to learn, but that class, you went to Shir on what? Right? You went to Shir on Hasidus? What are you talking about? The Gemara says, a person, you have to learn Torah in a way that, that it, it's sweet to you. So if you find something, you need to enjoy the Torah you learn, otherwise the, even the understanding is going to be deficient. So if we find that we have a natural tendency towards learning a particular area of, of Torah learning, or at a specific pace. Some people, they like covering ground. Some people like taking their time on things. And so, so devote your time to that in Torah. Don't feel the pressure that everybody else is learning Gemara, and everybody else is going to a Parsha class, and everybody else, you know what, I, I prefer uh, whatever it is. I prefer Tefillah. I prefer... Uh, there's so many areas you can't even start talacha whatever it is right I prefer that so, so spend time on that don't worry that everybody else seems to be like oh this is the going thing you know it seems to be like the in thing is to focus on that Gawana says you gotta learn you, you gotta know what you find sweet and then be true to that make sure you have that not to not to not learn other things too but make sure you have that so that the Torah could retain its uh, the Torah could retain its sweetness and this is this is the bracha that we're saying in Bruchas Atar. All right, Bruchas Hashachar. So after Bruchas Atar, we have the fifteen morning blessings. Yeah, anybody? You, you, numbers, numbers. No, what's what's the gematria of fifteen? Yudhei, Yudhei, right? Yudhei is the gematria of fifteen. The Anshe Knesset who had uh, had Ruach Hakodesh, they are the ones who instilled the the holiness, and they had an incredible insight into the human minds, and they composed really 15 uh, beautiful tefillos. Again, 15 represents the name of Hashem. Uh, Ka, right, the Yud and the Hey. Uh, the number 15, also interestingly, there were 15 steps in the um, going up, going right, on the on the Temple Mount, leading from the women's courtyard to, um, from the Ezez Nashim to the, to the regular courtyard. There's 15 Shir Hamalos. How about that? It's 15 uh, paragraphs from David Hamalach of, uh, of Shir Hamalos as well. So there's something um, something very unique about 15, and they all have to do with steps. Shir Hamalos means the song of ascent. 15 steps in the Beis Hamikdash. We're going up step by step. And each of these 15 brachos allow us to move step by step in our... Um, in our understanding of what our avoda is for that day, we take it like level by level. It's fascinating. Fifteen brachas, each one, uh, e- each one goes level by level. Okay. The first bracha that we say is Asher Nosan Vivina Lahavchin Benyom Uvein Blessed are you, Hashem, Asher Nosan Vivina, who gave the rooster. How's that? He gave the rooster uh, understanding between light and dark. Now, why are you mentioning a rooster? Yeah, cockadoodle do. What's like what's I mean like a uh, Like what you know? What, what's the idea? Now, interestingly, I'll pee, I'll pee science here, Hebrew and English mixed. Uh, according to science, uh, apparently they've developed over the last fifty to hundred years. They've realized that within humanity, there's different hormones that are secreted by day and night. That um, which is why people have our jet lag after traveling. It get the the whole uh, you know our, our whole body really really gets mixed up. And uh, if not for this miracle of 
of uh, I think it's called diurnal, the diurnal cycle, something that sort. Um, it would be difficult to sleep during. Uh, it would be difficult to sleep at night, and if you don't sleep at night, you can't keep your health. And if you don't have your health, you don't have your sanity. And the first bracha is therefore blessing. It's a blessing. Thank you, Hashem, for giving the ability to all of creation to differentiate between uh, between day and night. Now, if you look, I, I don't have a sitter here in front of me. In a lot of siddurim, it probably it probably says heart. You could check afterwards. Whether just if you have an art school sitter, see if they translate it Asher Nasan Lasechvi. See if they translate it as heart or um, or uh, the heart understanding or a rooster understanding. Uh huh. Does not. Yours says heart. Okay. Okay. There you go. Very good. It is good. Good. Um, because so, some of the Mafarshim explained that the the word Lasechvi is connected to the Aramaic word. Of rooster, which means that gives the rooster the understanding to uh, to distinguish between uh, between day and night. <clears throat> now we explain the rooster chat, which means God put into creation this beauty ability to know the difference between day and night, which allows us to function. We're starting to think. Thank you, Hashem, for the ability to function. Okay, and that's what we're having in mind. If you translate it like Art Scroll does as heart. Gives the heart understanding. So the explanation on that is um, Yom and Laila, day and night, is good and evil. If you're going to translate it to be heart, so then what your mindset should be when saying the bracha is that thank you Hashem for allowing us the ability to differentiate between good and bad. Okay? Um, and sometimes it's not so clear. It's not so clear. People who don't have Hashem, good is not good and bad is not bad. Good becomes bad and bad becomes good. And it becomes, uh, it becomes very confusing. So the very first bracha is giving us a fundamental belief in Yiddishkeit. And that is that we have the ability, we have Bechira, and we have the ability to be aware between what is good and what is bad. HaKadosh Baruch Hu with his, with his uh, mitzvahs, with Torah mitzvahs, um, uh, really guides us and shows us what is, what is good and what is bad. Because try to, you know, try to explain good to anybody. It's very, very hard. Um, okay. The next bracha is Baruch Ato Hashem. Do one more, we have time for one more bracha? Let's do one more bracha. Baruch Ato Hashem, Malakinu Malachaylam, Shalayasani Gai, for not making us a non Jew. So, what's the connection between the first bracha and the second bracha? Okay? So, let's first describe what a Jew is. A Jew is somebody, every neshama, every soul is connected to Akadush Baruch. Every soul could connect to God. Every soul is a breath of God. And if, if we're descendants of Adam, which we all are, you can't be a human unless you're a descendant of, of, of Adam and Chava. But HaKadosh Baruch who calls Klal Yisrael, the Jewish Neshama, is called B'ni B'chori Yisrael. The, the members of the nation are considered the firstborns of Klal Yisrael. So a Jew means that I am in a uniquely, in a unique way, I belong to Hashem. Everything could connect to Hashem, and everything is connected to Hashem. Every person is a Tzalim like him, and every every neshama connects to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. 
When I say Shaloyasani Goy, what I'm saying is, is that I am a Jew and I belong to God who taught us the difference between right and wrong and my purpose, my goal in life is to live my life like that. That's what I mean, Shalayasani Goy. The heart has the ability to discern good and bad. I am a Jew who belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and my job in this world is to live. Thank you, Hashem, for not making me a non-Jew so I can live. I belong to you and I can live with the ability to differentiate between good and bad. So we're, dis- we're, we're giving a description of who we are. We're giving a description of who we are. That the ability as a Yid to proclaim, I am a Yid. That's what we're saying. Um, right, so the question is, the question is, on is, instead of saying, thank Hashem for, for not making me a non-Jew, why don't we say, thank you Hashem for making me Jewish. And therefore I have, brought, I have blessings. Uh, interestingly, we have a three blessings now. Shaloh Asani Goy, Shaloh Asani Ovid, Shaloh Asani Isha. It's, where else do you find a blessing said with negative terms? Most other blessings, you're thanking Hashem for what you do have, as opposed to, uh, you know, as opposed to in, in negative. Okay. So, yeah, thank you Hashem for Bori Priyaitz. Why don't we say thank you, Hashem, that uh, that my orange uh, doesn't taste like brie? <laughs> right? Thank you, Hashem, my orange doesn't taste like brie. You know what I mean? We don't say that, right? It, it is fascinating. Scary. Yeah, it's scary thought. Yeah, don't think too hard about that. Um, so, um, I, so I saw an answer as follows. I saw an answer as follows. Um, this is from Reb Uriel Malevsky, who apparently was a, uh, a Rebbe in Arsameach. And he says like this. I'll read his words. He says, The most sublime activities in this world are doing the, is doing the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And specifically, keeping Hashem's commandments and learning His Torah. Right? Hashem granted the obligation and responsibility to do so to Klal Yisrael. And that is the reason why Klal Yisrael is called the Am Hanivchar. That's why we're called the Chosen Nation. Because chosen means responsible. The chosen in a responsibility. The ability to live a life that reflects Hashem through the Torah is an indescribable gift. But it's not always an easy thing to do. The daily obligations, once we're living Jewish, are complex. Just before we started Shia, we were going through, what brachi are you making over here? What brachi are you making on that? <laughs> I have a good friend, Shlami Nubiger, in Chicago. He said that one of the Lakewood Rosh Hashivas, nameless right now, one of the biggest names in the world, came to Chicago. And uh, they were having a parlor meeting, and somebody said to, asked him about a bracha, something on the table. He says, ask me anything besides for brachas. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ah, brachas. He's like, yeah. And it's so true. Brachas are so complicated, and it's all the time. It's all, you're always making it. And it's like, uh, you get like, you know, like, you know. And you're not supposed to always fall back on the shahakal. <laughs> you're not supposed to always like, all right, I made a shahakal, right? You're supposed to try to do it right. You don't know, you make a shahakal. You're supposed to, you're supposed to try to do it right. So he says like this, the, the, daily, the daily obligations of a yid are, are complex. The shulchan aruch is a primer that stretches from pre-birth to post-death. We have everything. The Torah guides us from before we're even born, yeah, as soon as there's a, from upon conception through 
the grave. Right? Even after a person dies, there's a lachas about kvur, there's a lachas about burial. There's not even supposed to be a moment in our day that does not reflect the depth of our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, Rav, uh, Rabbi Malevsky is emphasizing that it's the potential for such infinite abilities that make our constant striving to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu either exhilarating or just as equally discouraging. I love this. Love this. In Yiddishkeit, the beauty is nothing in Yiddishkeit means nothing. Everything that we do means something. Like we discussed last week when Rabbi Feldman came out of the bathroom right, on the plane. It's like you Jews bring God into everything, right? It's like you can't. It's like what a, either, so everything that goes on is either, you can either view it as exhilarating or it's like, oh my goodness, it's so, there's so much. There's so much, yeah. It's, it could be discouraging. How am I supposed to know every bracha to make on every last piece of food that gets put in front of me? I don't even know what I'm eating in people's homes. Right? I don't know what they do. I don't want to spell stuff that they're, that, that they're serving. So he says, the numerous commandments and tools that have been given to us are to help us try to overcome the seductive attractions of this physical world. When we're successful, we're connecting ourselves to our Kaddish Baruch Hu in the most absolute way possible. But for someone who finds it immeasurably difficult to do so, the commandments could also be hurdles and barriers to living, quote-unquote, the good life in this world. It's hard to remain focused all the time on, on what Hashem wants. And therefore he says like this. I'm skipping a couple paragraphs, but to wrap it up, to get this idea, okay? When I make a blessing, I'm bearing witness that what I'm saying is absolutely true. By proudly making a blessing, proclaiming I am a Jew, it would be as if I'm telling God, look out how wonderful I am. And perhaps that is what Hashem would do. It's inconceivable my blessing would be the direct cause of extremely exacting divine investigation. In effect, God would do exactly as I asked, plus one more. He would not just look at me. He would scrutinize all my actions. If I would show up and I would say, God, yo, I'm Jewish. <laughs> ah, wow. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean me and you. <laughs> right? And God's like, tell him to chill. Slow down. <laughs> Slow down. Right? Show me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Step up. Step up. She says, this leaves us with a dilemma. On one hand, my being Jewish is possibly the most fundamental definition of myself, and that can't be ignored. My being Jewish absolutely requires recognition of morning prayers, the morning blessings, to proclaim with joy how proud I am that I am a Jew, to acknowledge Hashem who made me, and to recognize the privilege that we have. I'm not looking down on anybody else. God forbid. Rather, I'm counting my blessing and offering up thanks. So I need to mention as I started my morning blessings, that I'm proud to be a Jew. But on the other hand, to do so directly might be a cause of unwanted divine accounting. God's like, what would you say you are? You're all that? What, what, what? That's why there's a custom on tombstones, by the way, to not write too much. The people are very careful. And it's a custom to keep tombstones simple. Keep it simple. And not that there are people who ask that there shouldn't be eulogies at their, at their funeral. Big tzaddikim. And it's not just because they're humble. It's not because the, I'm sure there are tzaddikim that would be fine with eulogies because they know that if they would ask for no eulogies, people think they're humble. So they personally won't ask for no eulogies. And they'll let, yeah, yeah, eulogize me, eulogize. They say nobody thinks they're humble. That's how humble they are. But why do, why do they ask not to be humble? Because Rabbi Leibstein asked for no eulogies. He said, I'm nervous. People are going to say things about me that aren't true. 
make me greater than I am. And when I come up to heaven, they're going to be looking at, at my papers and they're going to say, oh, look what they're saying about you. Uh, you're, you're really all that? She says, do me a favor. Do me, do me a favor. Like, don't make me bigger than I am. I, just don't talk. Don't make me bigger. Like, chill. Like, step back. Do, he was asking for a taifa. Ask me for a taifa. Don't be fair. And therefore, our sages in their infinite wisdom, wisdom composed a blessing, which, which is an indisputable fact. Blessed are you, Hashem, our God, King of the universe, for not having made me a non-Jew. Obviously, the only conceivable meaning is I'm a Jew. But the sage understood that when it's said in the negative form, it becomes a statement of a fact, as opposed to a brash, defiant announcement that could spark a unwelcome divine, uh, an unwelcome divine reaction. Is it related to the idea of not dominating? Is it related to the idea you don't want Hashem to just look at you as an individual person because you'd rather be judged as a group? Correct. It's never good. And this is what, uh, um, this is what Linda's bringing up. It's, Chazal teach us that a person should never try to stick out when it comes to when it comes to prayer. Like whenever you pray for somebody, even when it comes to a person who's ill, the the way that the Mishaberach is composed, as we say their name, Besoch Shar Chole Yisrael, amongst all the Ill, other ill members of Klal Yisrael, mm-hmm. because we don't want. The, you're better off being part of what we call the ilum. <laughs> Better off being part of the crowd and everybody else. And and fitting in this is this is it's it's a very deep idea. It's, it's a very deep idea. Um comes up in very in numerous areas of of Yiddishkeit. It comes up by Elisha Hanavi. He 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 was a leader of Klal Yisrael and his his one wish was he says Bisaikhami Anaichi Yashabas is please besaykh ami amongst my people on Shabbos, that's where i want to sit there's something very important to allowing ourselves to be part of Klal Yisrael as opposed to being uniquely attractive in a in a different way um it's it's not in our best interest it's not in our best interest and what's so What's so beautiful about his idea, and I, I, this question really bothered me. And personally, I don't know if everybody will be happy with this. Again, it has to be tired that sweet to you, and you connect with. I love this answer. I, to me, it's a thorough answer. Why do I say Shalayasanigai? He says very simply because if I would say thank you, Hashem, in my blessing every morning, that I am a Jew, what I'm stating about myself is something that I don't like. If that is that's a real responsibility. It's a real responsibility. And to, to state it in a very brash way, it's, take a step back. It's like Hashem, but I still want to say it, and I have to notice this about myself, and I want to thank Hashem for my ability to connect with Him as a Jewish person. So you know what I say? Thank you, Hashem. Let's say I'm not putting all the responsibility, I'm not saying like, oh. And at the same time, it's very clear from what I'm saying, it's like a, it's like a humble way of stating mm-hmm. that you know, thank you, Hashem, for making me a Jew without awakening any sort of, you know, divine, uh, you know, uh, scrutiny, uh, divine scrutiny. We'll call it. Okay, we'll do it for tonight. Yeshikayach.